0: Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new episode of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight, we have award-winning writer... Len Yulian. We'll be talking about his incredible career working on animation and movies and so much more. Plus, we'll take your calls and questions. Text us at 84126. All that and more. Stand by. of you are driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. Hello to all of you out there. Hopefully you're staying warm on this cold Sunday evening. Uh, for those of you who might be watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, hello to all of you and thank you for joining us in the live stream. We do appreciate you watching us and as always if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on whatever platform you do get your podcast from, we appreciate you finding us there. We're approaching our 400th show of Geek Radio, and I've got a big announcement coming for the 400th, so stay tuned. I'm going to kind of keep feeding you little bits of info, each show building up to it. This tonight is our 394th episode. We've been doing this since August of 2016. Sitting right across the board from me is Joey V, my executive producer, who always makes the video work, because we don't have video if we don't have Joey V, and he always makes the show sound as good as it does, too. I uh, wouldn't still be doing this show now, however many years, eight years later, without Joey V sitting right across from me. Uh, Tonight we've got a great guest. I was fortunate enough to have him on with Susan Eisenberg and I for the Justice League Revisited podcast. We've recorded his interview in advance, so you haven't heard the interview yet, but it's coming. He joined us to talk about the Justice League two-part episode that he wrote. He's done so much, and we're going to try to get the tip of the iceberg out of the way with all of the work he's done. Joining us right now, Len Uli, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me back,
1: even though we haven't heard what I did before, but we'll eventually get around to it, I suppose.
0: Right, exactly. It'll be—it's like Doctor Who, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. <laughs> <Huh. laughs>
1: time like have no meaning. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> well. um, it's so—it's so because, it's so, like, when when we talked to you last time, we were laser focused on Justice League. Uh, with the episode that you did, Metamorphosis. And now there were so many things, because Susan and I were talking before we had you I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, you're going to have to hold me back, because I want to talk to him about all this other stuff he did. So tonight, we get to visit most of that. I do want to say hello, uh, because I keep neglecting the chats. So very quickly, I want to acknowledge everyone who's in the chats. Uh, Hello, David. Hello, listening once live. Thank you for doing that. We've got Space Whale. Who's listening? And he says, "Let's go. We got the G O A T, Len Uli, on the show. <laughs> uh, we have Legato Blue. Another Sunday, another show, another snowstorm possible. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, let's hope that holds off till I get home tonight at midnight. Legato Blue." Um, nice. And then David says tease because of my 400th announcement for what we've got going on there. Um, and also, if you're listening online and you're not watching us, you can text us at eight four one two six on the KTRS text lines. Just include your name and where you're uh, where you're texting from, like David from Webster, or I'm I'm Sophia from Webster Groves, I guess. That I, web cities are popping in head anyway. And then whatever your question is for Len, and we'll ask him live on the air. I wanted to ask you about IMDb. I've had so many people on, and sometimes IMDb gets it right. Sometimes IMDb gets it very wrong. Holmes and Yo-Yo was your first entry on IMDb. Is that indeed your first paid writing job for television? It it was, yes. I was a junior at UCLA,
1: uh, just in the film school, and by a weird series of happy accidents, I got to... um, Right at my first episode of television for a sitcom that was on ABC for all of 13 weeks <laughs> called Yo Yo, uh, two cops, one of whom was a robot. Uh, and uh, but it was wonderful for me because I was working for the guys who had done Get Smart, which was one of the big deal series in my formative years. So, uh, you know, I got to work for Comedy Gods by my lights, and of course, I, you know, I was 20 turning 21, I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I did get my first credit. It's a very strange thing. Basically, uh, I've told this story elsewhere, but I'll I'll try to get through it as quickly as possible. Um, Like I say, student, taking the bus to UCLA every day. I was a commuter. And I see the show gets picked up and I say, oh, well, that looks like it's right up my alley. So I, and you could never do this today. I said, I called the production company and I said, could I read a copy of the pilot script? And, And the woman there said, sure. So I picked up a copy of the pilot. I read the script, loved it said, ah, I can do this. So I wrote a story, not even a full script, mind you, just a story outline. And I sat on it because who's going to really hire a, you know, a college kid? So I'm still, I'm living at home, mind you. My mom says, I tell you what, I'll mail it in for you. She does. <laughs> Two days later, the story editor calls me on a Friday afternoon and says, I'm going to make your weekend. And that's exactly what it was. So I got a chance to work on this thing. They took the story I'd written and they smashed it together with a story by a fellow named John Landis. You may have heard of him. I think But so. I don't know why he, Landis didn't get the gig, uh, perhaps because he was maybe he was in pre-production on Animal House. But anyway, I got to write the thing. Didn't do a good job, but it was my first credit, a shared credit. And so I said, off to the races. And the following year, uh, in my senior year, I had a TV series format, not even a full series Bible option, about the first black president of the United States, like that could happen. But that was <laughs> 1977. 77. So I was a little ahead of my time. Anyway, right. so I'm graduating college. I'm saying, oh, boy, rocket to the moon. This is going to be easy. I'm going to have a writing career. And then three years of complete radio silence. Mm. Nothing happened. Writing specs, making calls. And, uh, you know, it, it, so anybody that says, oh, you know, I, I want to be an overnight success. I was an overnight success, but it took 10 years <laughs> to get around earning a living. So uh you know lots of first breaks and and uh, interesting side uh tracks and all that sort of thing. So anyway so yes Homes and Yo was my first gig. I should have just answered with that and said let's go on. But I didn't.
0: Anyway. <laughs> and we've got uh Steve Murphy in the chat says we we are sounding and looking good on YouTube tonight. So thank you Steve for watching online on YouTube. Um you. it, the the premise of it when I read Homes and Yo reminded me cuz Joey on Friends gets that role in that pilot called Mac and Cheese about the buddy cop and the one's a robot, and I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder if there was a little homage to Holmes and Yo-Yo. Uh, it, it could well have been, you know, the the uh,
1: that came later, obviously, and uh, it's uh, an easy target because, you know, there were a couple, actually, a uh, uh, series of the, with that same premise. Uh, but um, anyway, that was the one that I got to work on. You know, short version.
0: And then, because there's always a story behind it, IMDb tells what your work is, but like you said, there's a long path to get through to where you got. But it looks like after that, it was animation. You were in the Disney afternoon, which was a big part of my childhood. I'll tell you what
1: happened. Um, So I had my first assignments in live action. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a sitcom writer. And I bumped around and I got more first breaks. And, you know, uh, that was great. Ended up writing industrials and corporate shows at one point Mm. and uh you know like the wonder and the glory of nissan cars or mitsubishi tvs when mitsubishi was making tv (laughs) so i got to do that and one of the little mom and pop companies that i worked with the the pop of the mom and pop company was michael Rye, and michael was the voice of duke igthorne on the gummy bears not like literally this is like 10 years after i'd started writing Mm -hmm. So Michael introduced me to the story editor on The Gummy Bears named Jim Magon. And I got to do a freelance episode on The Gummy Bears and a freelance episode on DuckTales. And then I suddenly, you know, then they were hiring people left and right to build up Walt Disney TV animation. uh, And I was one of the people they hired. And so I was on staff at Disney for like five and a half years and got to work on all these really wonderful shows. But to your point about IMDb, there are some errors in it. Uh they say I won an Emmy, I never did. I was nominated five times, but I never actually got the award and we can go into how weird that was. Um uh but that's a a, a, a really weird sort of digression. Uh <laughs> but I've continued I've continued to write animation for, you know, getting close to 40 years. Wow. Uh yeah, it's scary. Um but anyway, so uh, I see a note from Space Whale. Uh, they, Mitsubishi, used to make planes too, but we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> good point. Yes, yeah. and we want to really go into World War II history, but never you mind. Well, I mean, and good. We, we could. Well, well pointed out, Space Whale. <laughs> yeah, we
0: could do. I mean, that World War II is my is my wheelhouse. Uh, I love that part of history. It's fascinating. Um, yeah. we'll but, zero that but Space Whale also says you, his head or her head says that you did get the award, Len. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, just to show you how the you know the old expression "Don't get cocky, kid." We, the entire group, we we were nominated. We were the only. This was for a tailspin multi-parter, the sort of introduction to tailspin called "Plunder and Lightning," and we were all there, all the people who had worked on it, and we attended the Emmy, uh banquet. And they announced the category, and they said, "And no award will be given in this category this year." The room erupted with groans. I'll give it to him, but it didn't. So, I think there may be somebody politic too much to try to get us a nomination or whatever. The short version is don't piss off the people at the uh, at TV Academy because stuff will happen, yeah. Repercussions. Uh, so anyway, um, so that's you know, it's like, yes, it, it was it's a, it's an honor to be nominated, like they say, right. and we were good to be there. And I, you know, I was nominated on, on uh, other shows, uh, you know, uh, for. DuckTales and Static Shock and Ozzy and Drix and Tailspin, as I mentioned. So, you know, it, listen, getting to do writing for a living is a real gift. And the the other stuff would be nice, but it is not the reason you do this. If it is, you've got to find another line of work. Um, but, you know, I, I've been very lucky. I, 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 I was nominated for a Writers Guild Award for a Ben 10 I wrote, uh, and uh, I did get a, a, something called the... Animation Writing Award. You see it over my shoulder here, yeah. Uh, which was kind of a career acknowledgement thing, uh, and so anyway, it all worked out. You know, I've been very, very fortunate. I've been able to work with a lot of really wonderful, talented, nice people. So you know, on balance, it's 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 been a good living.
0: With the Disney animation, uh, with that Disney afternoon, like I said, that was such a huge block because you got basically a two-hour segment. Of just Disney, because you got a half hour show of uh, four shows, and they kind of would switch them out in the rotation, and you wrote for six of them. You got The Adventures of Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Chippendale, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck, which Darkwing Duck is my favorite of all those. It's one of my favorite Wonder- Disney characters. Absolutely Wonder- brilliant.
1: Yeah, it really is. and And you see behind me also, again, over my shoulder, you see uh, Megavolt. I <laughs> created that character for Darkwing Duck. It's, I, I tell you, All of those shows, if you look back at them, they were, for the most part, really well produced. They spent money on these episodes. And they they hold up extremely well. And you had a lot, you know, besides me, there were a ton of really great writers. I mean, at one point when that thing was running 65 episode series orders, we were all employed for multiple year contracts. And you had four or five floors of artists and writers working on these things. It was unbelievable there's nothing like it today nothing like it at all so we uh got in on the ground floor kind of at the right time yeah dumb luck yeah yeah anyways
0: no i I, my my personal favorite i love megavolt my personal favorite is quacker jack voiced by michael bell and michael bell actually has a giant quacker jack statue in his in his uh home which he said he was able to come take home with him from uh the disney studios but uh, he said that's one of the best cartoon shows he's ever been a part of, and Michael Bell's been a part of a lot of cartoons.
1: Yes, and and that's the thing. We were working with such extraordinary talent at the Disney, uh, during the Disney time. Uh, you know, and I mentioned Michael Rive, but when I came in there and saw the, the, watched my stuff being recorded, you know, like the early Gummy Bear stuff, I was with June Foray, the voice of Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Paul Winchell and brucey taylor uh who was the voice of the the uh the nephews uh chuck mccann hamilton camp howard morris howard morris was on since he's a show of shows okay i mean these are like foundational people in the entertainment industry frank welker of course and i just missed bill scott because i was on the second seat but you know but but um you know and then of course people who were early in their career like like Rob Paulson and Jim Cummings and Jeff Bennett and Corey Burton, all these people, you know, kind of came into the business. And Andrea Romano, who's, you know, one yes. of the very, really brilliant uh, uh. voice directors that I was able to work with. I think you've interviewed her at one point. A couple yes? times,
0: yeah, she's brilliant. Yes, but absolutely brilliant.
1: Just, uh, just so wonderful. So all of us sort of ended up there and then went on to other things. So it was it was a a, a wonderful time, really wonderful time. So anyway, I I rambled on.
0: And no, Space Whale is uh, very excited that you wrote for both Ben 10 and for Darkwing Duck. And he yeah. put a little emoji of a crown, says, You dropped your crown, Len, for all the stuff you've done. <laughs> no, and we have, no, we, have to,
1: we have to disabuse space
0: whale of that notion entirely. <laughs> and um, we and have we, our uh, friend uh, Chance from Atlanta, who does the nostalgic pod blast in Atlanta. He's a friend of the show. Hi, Chance. Thanks for watching uh, from Atlanta down there today. Hey, um, how are you? We've, uh, just the stuff you've gotten, we're already, we're already a little over 15 minutes in. Let me take my first commercial break. Uh, we'll come back right after this uh, break. We'll talk more. If you've got a question that you'd like to ask Len Yuley about his career, you can text us on the KTRS text lines at 84126. You can also uh, text us in the chat like many people already have done. If you have a question for him, we'll try to ask him on air during this next segment. Right now, we're going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by.
1: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to geek to me Radio.
0: We are back. geek to me Radio heard here every Sunday night on the Big 550 at 9 o'clock. For those of you who are watching, it's 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And I want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor, without whom this show would not be possible for these past eight years, uh, which is hard to believe. I keep having to say that, and I think about it. I'm like, that can't be right. But we've been doing it that long. Um, City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. They've been with me since the very beginning. They were my very first sponsor to come on, and I'm so fortunate that they've stayed with me. They've supported the show the entire time. If you go to their website, discoverstcharles.com, that's charles dot com. They've got uh, they just finished their Christmas festival. It's the longest running and largest Christmas festival in the country along these cobblestone streets with the old buildings dating back sometimes to the late 1700s. A lot of 1800 buildings in there. It's just this perfect atmosphere for Christmas, especially when it snows and you can go out there and you can ask for what you want from La Bafana from Italy or Père Noël from France. Or we have a Father Christmas from England and, of course, traditional Santa Claus. And then, you can also, for those of you who like your Christmas a little on the wild side, you can go down on Friday nights and get your picture taken with Krampus and the Kali Consroy and the Mary Lloyd. And if you like that aspect of Christmas as well. Something for everybody, but it's this gorgeous festival. Next year will be the fiftieth anniversary of Christmas traditions, uh, which is mind-boggling. So if you get a chance, maybe now is when you're kind of starting to plan, well, what what do we want to do for 2024? Put St. Charles on your list, whether you're on the West Coast, like my friend Len, or you're here locally and just haven't been across the bridge for a while to go check out what St. Charles has to offer. Make 2024 the year you do it. Put it on your list now. They've got a Valentine's Festival coming up next month. It's their first year of this festival. They've got people you can, if you're an anti-Valentine's person or you're a Valentine's person, they're going to have both sides of that coin for you. You can actually burn your lover's name in a fire pit with Mrs. Havisham, or you can actually listen to the uh, singing groups they have out there singing love songs. You can write a sonnet with Romeo and Juliet, who will be out there. It's going to be great fun. And there's always something to do in St. Charles, from the food to the shopping to just the fun atmosphere of those cobblestone streets and the old buildings. If you're a historic fan and the history buff, this is something you want to go visit. So once again, start your trip at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Talking with Len Yuli here for the rest of this hour about his career working and all the writing he's done. Um... I just want to make sure what you got nothing else in the chat's good. Okay. Uh, talking, we left off talking about the Disney afternoon. You mentioned Andrea Romano, who then went on, like yourself, to do work for Kids WB, which kind of picked up. I guess they saw the success that Disney was having with kids animation, like blocks of time, and it kind of Fox Kids and the WB kind of came on. Hey, we need we need to imitate this or at least kind of compete.
1: Well, um, it, it was... Disney was the first out of the gate, But, um, for example, um, um, my friend and mentor and colleague, Alan Burnett, left Walt Disney TV Animation. We'd worked on a couple of series, uh, Gummy Bears and Tailspin together. And he went off to run the Batman the Animated Series uh, over there and all the other things he did. You know, a spectacular writer, terrific showrunner, nice, nice man. Uh, And so he was over there And they were doing that. And then another friend of mine that, uh, here's the thing, you'd never know who you're going to work for again, so always, you know, be nice. Right. Uh, Because (laughs) another friend of mine, uh, Eric Lee Walt, he and his wife, Julia, who had married at uh, uh, Disney TV Animation, Eric went off to run X-Men the Animated Series. And so, you know, and that was the beginning of the Fox Kids thing. Uh, you know and so the, we we all sort of came up at the same time more or less and uh, it was uh, terrific to have all of this wonderful production being done in a variety of places and and so it, when i ended up at uh, you know uh, when my time at disney was done i was very fortunate in that i was able to have a soft landing having done funny animals for so long to go <laughs> off and do people in long underwear and i got the chance to write for eric on X-Men, the animated series and several other shows thereafter, you know. So and then, of course, I also worked on Static Shock for yes. Alan Burnett and and Ozzy and Drix as well. And so, you know, it's a your you, your friends will hire you. You will hire your friends if you're lucky. You know, everybody keeps working for a while.
0: you know, And that's how it worked out, at least for us. And of course, you know? when I think of X-Men, the animated series, obviously, uh, Margaret Lesh, who is the, uh, the person who, Made that series possible because I know um, they always talk about, uh, you know, both uh, Julia and Eric talk about without her, X-Men wouldn't have happened because she kept pushing and pushing to get that on the air from the the original backdoor pilot, Pride of the X-Men, until they launched it with the X-Men animated series that we actually got and comes back around. Michael Bell voiced Cyclops in Pride of the X-Men. So the guy is everywhere.
1: (laughs) Seems to be a recurring theme on this show. Know. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact is that, that yeah, the, um, uh, Margaret was one of the heroes of TV animation, you know, having worked in it for a number of years herself. But she actually put her job on the line. I'm sure you heard that when if you interviewed Eric and Julia. She put her job on the line and it was like, okay, if this is a success, great. But if it isn't, uh, you're out. So she really was instrumental along with a lot of other very, very yeah. talented, uh, hardworking people to get X-Men on the air. And I, listen, I, I can't take a whole lot of credit for it. I wrote three episodes of the series, but they were episodes that people, you know, when I go to conventions and things like that, people remember fondly. I did Cold Comfort, which was the first Bobby Drake Iceman episodes, and two episodes with Nightcrawler. Yes. First of those two, uh, Nightcrawler, funny enough, um, <laughs> people remember fondly and and come up and say, uh, it, it was one of their favorite uh, episodes of the series and so you know I, again wonderful opportunity to work on something like that because Eric Lewald who was terrific about casting writers you know, to their strengths he put that one in front of me and I said yes please may I have another so it was <laughs> like you know I, I, I got really lucky time and time and time again working for terrific smart showrunners talented people who, you know, were able to, you know, turn out some really remarkable series over the years. So, uh, you know, I, I I, got along to run, a, run along for the ride, you know, uh, for a lot of these things. So uh, I'm very fortunate. I have something that is very much harder to do now. I've had a career that has been mostly freelance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been on staff at Disney and Warner Brothers and other places, but most of my work has been piecework going from show to show to show with any luck people hire you for multiple episodes that's that much harder to do now but uh, you know i can't get we don't want to spend the rest of the hour bemoaning the current state of the animation business <laughs> but in 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 the time i was coming up i was really lucky to you know crank through and make a living as a as a freelance writer yeah it's not an easy thing to do Impossible to do in live action, unfortunately. So in a strange way, that fork in the road that I took of going into animation saved me Hmm. from, you know, uh, even if I'd been a middling sitcom writer, uh, I would have aged out a long time before I did in animation. Hmm. You know, that's interesting. You know, it's it's a it's a very different business, even Hmm. though they are. It's all television, you know, but it's a way of doing things. It's a completely made staff run business in television, live action television, and they did have periods where we would have large staffs in animation, um, but mostly it's been freelance for a lot of people for a long time now. So it's, it's a tough road to hoe but uh you know we're we're lucky that we get to do something like this because uh, frankly i have no other skills
0: you You and me both this is if it if it wasn't for talking i don't know what i would be doing um (laughs) we, we do have another question from our friend space whale he wants to know did you ever encounter writer's block during your time working as a writer on any of these shows and what do you do to combat writer's block
1: well you know the the mixed bag here when you are employed to write something you get an assignment or you're on staff you don't have the luxury if you will of writer's block mm. you know because the script is due the stories due, the script is due you've got a bunch of people in a production capacity who are waiting for you to finish your script so they can record your script so they can start doing the storyboards and all that sort of thing so no writer's block is not a thing that you can really afford to do mm. otherwise well, you won't get hired again. Um, you know, writing something on spec of my own, that's more of a challenge, I will admit. But, you know, I've been able to overcome that for the most part. Uh, but, you know, w- when you're doing the work thing, it's like a job. You're punishing a clock. You're turning out stuff because a lot of people are depending on you because you're the first part of the assembly line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but on your own, if you're if you're writing stuff for you, for your own, whatever that might be writer's block Because I've, I've talked to different writers and i i know um carol barrowman said i don't name it i refuse to believe in writer's block and that just kind of helps her push through we had nicole mains on the show last week who's now writing for dc comics and she says she just goes for a walk to clear her head and she'll see things that come to her so everybody's got a different thing do you find there's something that if you have something that kind of is a stumbling point that you do some kind of ritual something you that helps you push through it depends on the project it depends on on
1: whatever the challenge is that i'm facing you know if it's a story point yeah getting up taking a walk whatever those are useful tools sometimes you do have to step away and sometimes you just try to muscle through hmm. you know there are a lot of people who believe that you just sit down and you write it doesn't matter what you, how bad it is you keep writing and you can always go back and fix it you know that's that's the advantage of having a you know writing on a computer it's nothing's permanent until you actually, you know, send out the document and then it's too late. And that's when you find all your typos. But, <laughs> you know, uh, writer's block is something that that you. Well, I, I, the idea of naming it is a bad idea. I, I can be unhappy with something I've written and then you can say, OK, I'll put that aside and I'll go on to something else. It's um, it's not a process that that hey, look. If it were easy, more people would be doing it, sure. right? Sure, sure. You know, but uh, it, it's, it can have its um, its compensations. And I don't mean just financially, certainly not in animation. But, it, you know, <laughs> you you, you the, the, the pleasure of having something completed is great. If you're really, really, really lucky, you get to see it made. And that's, oh, my God, what a gift. I mean, one of the things that was so wonderful about being on staff or being uh, you know, a freelancer for a show where you know, the people are amenable to it, to go to a recording session in animation is the closest thing that we get to opening night mm-hmm. because you get to hear your words being spoken by extraordinarily funny, talented people, directed by people like Andrea Romano or Ginny McSwain or Sue Blue, and these people make it so much better than you could have imagined. So I'm, I'm very lucky that I've, you know, been able to do this for a while. Uh, It's, um, it's a real gift, you know, otherwise I'd still be in the drugstore, you know, handing out Metamucil, you know, (laughs) which was my job in high school and into college until I got that first assignment. I'm not disparaging people who work in the drugstore, you know, but I looked really good in a blue jacket with a name tag.
0: (laughs) See, I was I was Walgreens when I was I was stocking shelves, like in I think my freshman year of high school, first job. So that we mm. had that drugstore background. Maybe that's why we get on so well. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, I want to ask you about. because you mentioned X Men: The Animated Series, which obviously game changer for Marvel going forward and for for animation, really, because it told these stories in kind of a. A more adult way, much like you know Batman did, in that, right in the 1992 area time period when they right. first came on the scene. Uh, you did write Nightcrawler, which well, you know they. I feel like they took they took aspects of what they did in the animated series for the movie because X Two. You go, you have Nightcrawler. He's that religious kind of figure and everything like that. When you're going through and watching media, uh, this will be a. Let me try to. This will be a multi point question. Were. <laughs> with all the comic books you've done, I mean, you've done Iron Man, you've done X-Men, X-Men Evolution. You've done, you know, we talked about Justice League. Were you a comic book fan growing up? And secondly, if you're coming in on a series like X-Men, did they give you, this is the specs, or kind of where we want for this particular story, or did you have to do some homework and watch the previous episodes?
1: Well, um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, Yes, I was a comic book fan growing up. Uh, I uh, stopped reading rather late. At, I think it was 11. Um, but uh, you know, and that's when I stopped drawing because I didn't have anything to draw except, you know, there were no more people in long underwear and capes in my, <laughs> so, uh, but, but I was a comic fan, but mostly a DC fan. Okay. Deep dark secret ended up doing more <laughs> Marvel shows than DC stuff. though. I did have a nice run at Warner brothers with static and stuff like that. And, and then subsequently on the Ben 10 series, which was basically Dial H for hero. If you don't mind the deep dive. Into yeah, yeah, the... yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but different, but different. Uh, and uh, so I got a chance to work in something that I was familiar with. You know, like I said, I wanted to be a sitcom writer, but this other language of superhero adventures, almost second nature. I, I kind of got it very quickly as for uh, research uh, there was, you know, again, this is before the internet, right? We had access to comic books. And then there was this giant encyclopedia, the exact title of which I don't remember about the X-Men. So we were able to avail ourselves of that. Um, we were, you know, uh, we could pitch stories. There were story meetings. There were, you know, sometimes, uh, Eric, uh, who was the showrunner on that particular show would say, we want to do a story about thus and such. So you would beat, beat that out with him. It just depends on each series and each showrunner. And sometimes sometimes you've got a showrunner and he says, here's the arc of, the, I mean, a lot of the, the shows that you'll see have, are serialized. So you're carrying a story along and you're doing episode three of five or something like that. Other times they say, come in with some ideas. And that's a good one. Let's do that. And then you muck about with it with the story editor showrunner. And you end up doing, you know, an episode that gets changed over time. The 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 Nightcrawler episode that you mentioned, that I mentioned, we both mentioned, um, started out really. We were being very cautious because we knew Nightcrawlers By the way, I had I did not create Nightcrawler. That no, was, right. You know, Len Wein and uh, the artists involved. Dave Cockrum, there. yeah. Um, the original story that i wrote with eric you know it was like there were machine guns and nazis on snowmobiles and hidden gold and all sorts of really dumb stuff big adventure but not using the character to its full advantage mm-hmm. and the uh executive uh, who worked under margaret named sydney wanted saw the story and said what are you doing i don't want to know about this stuff Show me a, a, what Nightcrawler is all about. I want to hear about a loving, giving God. Now, this is a, a network executive giving us the marching orders to talk about faith. Wow. And in fact. Yeah. Wow, indeed. That was, to our knowledge, the first or maybe one of the first prime, you know, normal broadcast animated series to deal with issues of faith. So we ended up boiling it down really to to a debate between... Nightcrawler, who, let's face it, he has every reason to be bitter. Yeah. He looks like a demon. And then you have Wolverine, who has lived for a very long time and is embittered. And, you know, I think he says something to the effect of, you know, I've se- lived too long, I've seen too much. So you've got a chance to have a real interesting character dynamic between these two. And it turned out to be a pretty darn good episode. And people like it. And I'm very fortunate to have been given the chance. By Eric and Larry Houston, who was the producer, director oh, went Larry. Yeah. crazy. He and his artists really did. I mean, you know that this show had one-fifth the budget of Batman the anime, Right, series. yeah. But they gave a thousand percent. Each one uh, contributed so much. Larry drew and redrew and all that, and they, they were just they worked so hard. Of the people that you you know you don't see all the artists and and colorists and background people, they just make the show so much better. And I get to, you know, take the bow, but oh my goodness, you know, it's a team. It really is a team. I say it is an assembly line. You have one person do one thing and another and another, and you know, six months, nine months and a year later, there's an episode. All of a sudden, you know, it's, it's a long, laborious, complicated process. So,
0: yeah, we've anyway. had uh, we had Larry Houston on the show a couple of years back and I finally yeah. got to meet him in, uh, in Pasadena last year. But just mm. the stuff that he's done, my goodness, going all the way back to, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I mean, it's what an incredible career Larry's had, too. And I, I love that's why I love talking to people like Larry and like you who have this just wealth of knowledge and experience in all these things that were so formative for me growing up. I mean, I I, I love this stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. We 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 got a bunch of us got like really truly dream jobs, you know, it's, it's something. <laughs> Hang on. I just see Dan Reba. Yes, just Dan pop- Reba's joined the chat. <laughs> One of the best animation directors in the business working with Dan on some of the well, several series, but particularly on the uh, uh, Ben 10 stuff was terrific because he does action brilliantly. He does comedy brilliantly. I mean, Dan is, is top notch. So, Hi, Dan.
0: And quite an artist I, himself, too. He does uh, he does some great art. Oh, and, he's uh, I yeah. should mention, too, that uh, for those of you listening, Dan Reba will be appearing at Planet Comic Con, I believe, uh, March 8th through the 10th. So if you're in the Kansas City area, uh, you might want to head over. And I think he's going to be there with Alan Burnett as well. Oh. Uh, they'll be great. doing some signings at Planet Comic Con. So that's uh, very exciting. If you have never met Dan Reba before, now's your chance for those of you who are fans of the animation. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we had another question from Space Whale. He wanted to know: Did you have a dream project, something where you you never thought like, oh, that'd be neat? I'd like to write for that because you did a lot of animation for a lot of things, and it seems like your career kept building going forward. Like you kept you worked on X Men animated series, X Men Evolution came on. You got to write for that. You got to write for Gargoyles, uh, for Greg Weisman's uh, Brainchild, and everything, it just all the stuff you've gotten written for. Did you did you have one that you ch- kind of checked a bucket list project for you?
1: No, you know I. I... I got to write on a lot of wonderful shows. But in animation, it was just a series of happy accidents, to be honest. There wasn't anything. I would have loved to write for Animaniacs. I would have loved to write for Batman, the animated series. But I was, you know, on the early days, I was still at Disney. Mm-hmm. And then subsequently, you know, I, I came in a little late at Warner Brothers. And, but I was very fortunate to be able to work on Static Shock, which was run by Alan Burnett. Uh, and uh, others, and it was just like, oh my gosh, here's the thing. I've been able to work for some people who are, you know, we all do these things, you know, some shows are designed to be fun romps, action adventure, or comedy adventure, you know, um, Everybody After the Treasure was kind of the way a lot of the Disney shows went. Uh, you know, but you also get a chance if you have a showrunner who's willing to sort of go to bat for you and expand the parameters of what one of these shows can be, like Alan did, like the brilliant Dwayne McDuffie did. Oh,
0: yeah. My gosh.
1: Like, I mean, Eric Lee, well, for God's sakes, that was they were writing an adult show in animation. You know, that was that was a, a great drama or melodrama, depending on your perspective. And Eric was able to do all of that or whatever it was, 77 episodes. Um, Alan did that on Static Shock. We, we did, I mean, Alan and Dwayne co-wrote an episode of Static, which was, it won a Humanitas Award. It was about gun violence at a school. I wrote one that was about um, uh, the mental mental illness and the homeless in a cartoon yeah. show. Yeah. Now, again, here's the thing. Most people who go into writing of any sort... They do it because they want to express something about the human condition. We just, we're it's writers are strange people because on the one hand, you know, we all suffer from low self esteem, and on the other hand, we say everybody's got to hear what I think about this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. So it's a very weird way to <laughs> make a living and to get a chance to do so. So much the better. But you know, working for Dwayne on on the Ben Ten series, I worked on. Uh, Alien Force and Ultimate Alien for him and then subsequently on Omniverse for his widow, uh, Charlotte, and and Matt Wayne, his high school and college friend. So we got a chance to do shows which were fun and entertaining and big silly, and we also got to do stuff that was serious yeah. and uh, sometimes moving, and that's, what, a, what an opportunity. Boy, you know, and it's, you know, when we hear people say, oh, that's only cartoons, I beg to differ. Yeah, no, I... We are given the chance once in a while to do something that moves people, touches people. And when we go to these conventions and we do these panels, you know, I've done some of them, not so much like what Alan or Eric and Julia do, but, you know, I've been able to attend some of them. And people really... Remember the shows fondly and remember them better than we do, frankly. (laughs) Uh, But but it's 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 touching. You know, we we all say, oh, that's how we made a living. But it's it's matters more than that. And that is humbling and wonderful to hear. Because these are the people who grew up on this and now they're sharing it with their children. And it's like, wow, that's wonderful. Residuals would be nice, too, as we discussed (laughs) on your other podcast but we won't go into that anyway.
0: <laughs> that's another Sorry. story um, another- for those of you who are listening we are talking with len uly we've got the, the hours i can't believe we're already coming up on towards the we're in the back half of the hour here we're going to take another very quick commercial break we are going to come back in just a moment we'll chat more with Len about uh, his, we've still got. I've still got four or five pages. We're not going to get to all of it, Len, but we'll do our best to power through. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by.
1: Hi, this is Carl Lumley, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio.
0: Carl Lumley, we are dropping an episode of Justice League Revisited. Tuesday, you'll be able to start listening to Justice League Revisited. Susan and I sat down with Carl Lumley, the voice of Martian Manhunter, and we talked about the episode War World. So if you're listening to our Justice League Revisited podcast, you've got a new episode coming Tuesday to look forward to with Carl Lumley. I want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. If you are in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, and you're wanting to you know, like Len and I are talking about X-Men, and we're talking about Batman, if you're like, well, those are comic books. I've never been into comic books go talk to larry because he's got x-men comics he's got batman comics spider-man comics old western comics new comics old comics nicole main's comics that she's written her out in larry's store right now in action comics and uh, titans beast world if you're looking to get into comic books larry i always say he's your personal comic concierge i've seen it countless times while i'll be in the store getting my weekly pulls someone to walk in and larry's like can I help you find anything as well kind of wanting to read some Spider-Man. What kind of Spider-Man you want to read? And he starts working with him to say, okay, here's some issues you might want to read. This is a really great Spider-Man story. Uh, it's, it's great to go to one of those comic book stores where they've got back issues, and Larry's got bunch and bunch and bunches of back issues. So if you're wanting to get some of the older stuff... You can certainly do that. If you want to start with new stuff, join the Avengers Club because you can start saving money every week on your new comics, your back issues, your toys, your games, your bags, your boards, your Pokemon cards, whatever it is, by joining the Avengers Club. No cost to join, but you start saving money. You can start a weekly pull list so you never miss an issue. I know there a lot of people were upset. There was a comic book that came out a couple months ago. Oh, it was the new Spider Boy comic. People, they slept on it. Didn't get it. If you're A pull list member, Larry will have that comic book waiting for you so you don't have to worry about missing your weekly comic books. Just let him know what you want, and he'll pull them aside for you. Check him out on Instagram, Bugs Comics and Games. Follow him there. He's posting stuff online, so if you're not in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, you can still buy your comics from Larry, and he'll ship them right to your door. Give their Facebook page a like as well, Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Very proud to have them as our official comic book sponsor here on Geek2Me Radio. We're talking with Len Yuli and the the hour is flown by. Uh, we've got uh, some other stuff we want. I want to try to get to. Um, uh, let me. I'm trying to blast through my list here, so I hit the highlights. Um, because we mentioned Planet Comic Con, Dermot Mulroney will also be. at Planet Comic Con and you wrote his episode of the Batman which is another one I feel kind of fell through the cracks because you got Batman the animated series you've got Brave and the Bold and there was the Batman in between which I loved it was that Jackie Chan style of animation and you got to write the episode Ring Toss where Penguin ends up getting Green Lantern's ring and it's hilarity ensues Uh, how was it writing for that because you just got to come into the one episode but you've got Dermot Mulroney voicing Green Lantern talk a little bit about that one if you could
1: well, Green Lantern was my favorite character growing up. So, the fact that I got to write for two Green Lanterns, one of course was, you know, uh uh John Stewart and the other one was Hal Jordan, and Dermot Mar- Rooney did that one. And so I was thrilled. I mean, that was t- one of your people asked, you know, uh do you have a dream job? I guess in comic books, writing for Green Lantern was you know, basically tick that box, <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, that was my character that I loved and wanted to be. I wanted to have the glowing ring and the willpower and, you know, uh, the ability to fly anyway. Uh, but anyway, I I, I I was glad to do that. And he I I'm not sure I attended that recording session. I might have. And uh,
0: Sinestra was by uh, 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 Ferrer. Um, yes, who voiced Copperhead in Justice League.
1: Yeah. So, you know, basically, we again, if you're doing this long enough, you get to meet some really interesting people you know, like movie stars and stuff. I mean, I, I did some uh, American Tale home videos for Universal right. and, one, and One Land Before Time. And so I'm I'm uh, across uh, the other side of the glass. It's Dom DeLuise, Nehemiah Persoff, and Renee Auberjonois, and David Carradine, and Ron Perlman. And, you know, oh. plus all the wonderful voice actors like Jeff Bennett and things like that. And, and oh yeah, Michael York was in The Land Before Time. It's just... It's extraordinary because you've seen all the people that you've watched on TV and there they are doing your stuff. Uh, One of the voices uh, from The Land Before Time was John Ingle, who was a soap opera actor. But before that, he was the high school drama teacher at my high school. No kidding. So talk about what a fun callback. (laughs) I got to write for him the high school drama teacher, uh, and <laughs> you know, playing an uh, angry uh, triceratops, right? You know, it's a, it's like, it's a weird place to grow up, okay, here in Los <laughs> Angeles, just to be clear about it. Right. It's not it's not normal, <laughs> but, you know, for some reason, I, I grew up, like I've said many times before, uh, it's a company town. You know, had I grown up in Detroit, I would have worked for Ford. But here, I said, oh, I should be writing shows because that's what I ended up doing early on, student films and student musicals and stuff like that. It's just like, you know, you, you sort of fall into stuff. Environment plays a role. Anyway, next question. Yeah, that was, I mean,
0: and then obviously if uh, we mentioned the Justice League revisited podcast, so if you're listening to that lens episode is coming up where Susan and I got to talk with metamorphosis uh, the for, for first appearance of... Me- you do a lot of first appearances, too. You got to introduce Nightcrawler. You get to introduce Iceman. You get to introduce Metamorpho. Uh, that's a lot right. of fun. I guess I am the doorman
1: for, <laughs> for characters. Please come in. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, I got lucky that people trust me with these wonderful characters. I grew up reading DC Comics. I had all the Metamorpho comic books. Mm. And what it was Raven the Bold. Raven the Bold, you yes. Know, I, yeah, and, and uh, you know, Justice League my my first comic book purchase was archie and then i graduated to dc and i i had all those original early ap- uh appearances of the justice league that's what i grew up reading so it kind of makes sense yeah that i am doing this for a living right <laughs> it, it, i didn't know it at the time but this is where i ended up and i mean okay. lucky
0: you nice work if you can get it i mean my goodness yeah,
1: and and truly it you never know on the other hand i always say Never let a 17-year-old decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. <laughs> and yet, it, this is how it ended up. So, whatever. I yeah. guess I have to the 17-year-old from more, from time to time. Anyway, so, uh, yes, I got a chance to write for some wonderful, talented people. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I, I heard you, you had uh, Maurice LaMarche a, a, a on, um, and Rob Paulson do one of your intros. Yeah. And, you know, they... These are guys, they walk into the room and you're immediately laughing. Yes. It just, they're just so brilliantly kind and funny. And it's what a gift. Oh, my gosh. It, again, uh, uh, I'm, I'm counting my blessings, really.
0: Yeah. No, you there's know? I mean, just the, the amount of talent that's uh, when you look at these animated projects, like I said, I think the 1990s really changed the game because you had people suddenly, and Andrea Romano is kind of like the key to that too because she would people would want to work with her. So she's, in Justice League Unlimited, she's bringing in Nathan Fillion and people like that to work on the show. It's And they wanted to do it. They wanted to do animation. It kind of raised the game. So all the stuff that you were in on the ground floor of, kind of laid the pavement for that. So much stuff. We, we didn't get to talk about RoboCop, and I'm sorry because Joey and I were talking about RoboCop before the show started. You <laughs> did all, all every episode for that, I believe. Yeah, uh, but, with, yeah. I mean, Transformers, you wrote several iterations of that. Lunatics Unleashed, which is an- another one that not enough people have seen. I enjoyed yeah. the living daylights <laughs> out of that show. But you got to write for He-Man. You got to write for, uh, you, we mentioned uh, The Land Before Time. Avengers United, they stand with Lenore Zan, voiced Tigra in that. She voiced Rogue. And X-Men, so there's another connection there. Um, uh, so much stuff that I, I didn't get a chance to get to, and here we're coming to the end of the hour. Voltron, you've been Ben 10, we've talked about that a little bit, but my goodness, when you when you're working on these projects, do, do you kind of like, especially Transformers, like that was one that we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the original series this year, and you got to write for a few different iterations. Do, when you're working on shows like that that have this rich history are you aware of it or some of the stuff you have to go back and rewrite or does it not really pertain, it's not always germane to the series you're writing for?
1: No, it it depends on, you know, the marching orders that you get f- uh, in the show you're working on. There are some shows which do callbacks galore, you know, and it's nice, you know, to have that kind of thing. But, you know, sometimes you're just trying to say, okay, here's the story we need that fits into this slot and we have three more slots to do. And so you you're you're kind of like, it's it's assembly line work in a in a large way. Right. It's it's creative, but it's also you're creating a product in a very short period of time. You know, they, these are not written over months. You know, you're lucky to get a week to write a story and two weeks to write a script. So you go, pow, you got to throw that out as quickly as possible. And that's why, you know, you that's why they pay you to do it. Not particularly well, but they do pay you to do it. And <laughs> you're lucky then we get to do it because, you know, it is a very strange little world to be a writer and to be even smaller to be an animation writer. So um, I've forgotten the the question. Sometimes, yeah, some, I, I did work on a couple of Transformer series. Uh, the uh, uh, Rescue Bots <laughs> was the greatest fun since we mentioned Maurice LaMarche. Uh, I did a Halloween episode and we got to throw in a spoof of uh, the war of the worlds and he got to do his Orson Welles voice. So I, you know, again, tick another box. Oh, good. That makes me laugh. And every time I would see it, I'd say, yeah, that was good to do.
0: I enjoyed it (laughs) anyway. So, uh, yeah, You mentioned Ozzy and Drix, and I didn't get the chance to ask you about writing for the Ozzy and Drix video game, uh, but we had Ah. Alan Burnett on the show last year, and he mentioned Ozzy and Drix as his favorite of all the projects he's worked on, so I can only imagine working on that video game, but uh, in just a minute or two left, uh, I want to get to our question from our friend Chance in Atlanta. He wants to know what type of character is the more fun to write, the hero or the villain?
1: oh, villains are far more interesting to write usually because, you know, they are, you can chew the scenery with them. They usually have very strong motivations. The the biggest challenge is to make a hero who's interesting. Mm. And, uh, you know, otherwise it it becomes kind of sort of rote work. Uh, Not always. I mean, the static shot was great fun to write because the kid just was funny and he could had a nice snarky sense of humor, a little like early Spider-Man, that kind of thing. Mm. So, writing villains is always interesting because of course to him, to the villain, he's the hero of the story. Right. What he's doing is the thing that really needs to happen. If everybody just get out of the way, you know, uh, I, I want to just tidy up one thing. When you say I, I wrote 40 episodes, I didn't, they do a few shows much to our chagrin do gang credits. So all of the writers wow. are listening. So I did not, I story edited a few episodes uh, for Eric and Julia, when they went out to do Young Hercules, another story for another time, which was a great experience. We had got a chance to write in live action again. We, uh, but uh, you know, um, that was not everybody writing all forty episodes. Okay,
0: RoboCop. Okay, that was on that yeah. one. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, and again, that's why I always ask because IMDb, in this case, obviously they didn't get it wrong, but it's it's a little different the way they they have it up there so they've,
1: they've got a few things wrong but that's all right you know general, more or less it's right take a, about 30 percent uh off the top and then you're fine
0: right <laughs> and i mean we we've got to wrap it up because i need to still play my outro and get everything tidied up here for the end of the show uh but like i said we, we'll probably have to have you back on len because there's about half of the stuff i didn't even get to in all my pages of notes because you've done so much work oh you're very kind thank you and if you would... let people know too uh, where, if they want to find out more about you, because you're active on social media. Is it mostly Twitter and Instagram, or if people want to keep up with you on the websites? Or? I don't use Instagram well. I usually watch other
1: people on Instagram. Okay. It, it sounds creepier than it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I am usually on Twitter, I can't call it X, uh, at Len Uli. So, you know, that's easy. Uh, and that's where I probably post, you know, political snark and uh, self-promotion, you know. That's the place to go.
0: Perfect. So we'll uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you're listening to this after the fact in the podcast form. Len Yuli, it's an absolute delight to talk to you again, or for my listeners the first time again. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Uh, but <laughs> but we'll we'll hopefully have you back on at some point because there's there's a lot we didn't get to.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: I really do appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Have a good rest of your night. Thanks very much. Thank you. Good night. Good night. There he goes. Uh, We appreciate all you listening. We have to go. Is, Is it crazy that we've already gotten to the end of the show? Um, as we're wrapping up here, slowly, I'm going to play the outro music. Want to make sure, again, we tell you to check out Bugs Comics and Games, our official comic book sponsor. Make sure you check out the city of St. Charles, discoverstcharles.com, and you can go check out their, their uh, Halloween, their Valentine's Festival. They're coming up next month. Uh, our 400th show coming right around the corner. That's very exciting. And, of course, thank you, as always, to it's Joey not V. the way you, watch right you now sound now, me. as good as it does. It's, it's not in the way you not too far away from the microphone as indicated by the way he just moved it back uh but thank you all for watching thank you all for your comments and everything in the chats we appreciate it very much and until next week my friends <laughs> night hey kids are your parents about
1: to buy you a shiny new toy from amazon
0: hi i'm chucky wanna play
1: well don't be selfish share some of that money with us
0: Bit dot slash geek to me bit dot slash geek to me